Welcome to X-Men Evolution, Episode 9 of Cyclops is Waiting for Me, an X-Men animated recap podcast. I'm JC, and despite the fact that Rod isn't sleeping, I almost just, like, zonked out in the middle of that intro, so we're, we're already on a great pace tonight. I, and I'm Rod, and I'm all messed up, because yesterday I decided to get up, like, before the sunrise to go jogging, like, voluntarily and organically. I haven't recovered yet, because I'm in my 40s. <laughs> Do you think it's like because we dealt with the hurricane in L.A., our bodies are just completely thrown off, which also was barely a hurricane? Yeah. Well, you know, actually, partially it was because I've had joint problems since I was a teenager, so I could feel the air pressure change. Even though the hurricane wasn't a hurricane by the time it hit us, like just the air pressure that came with it, I was like, oh, no, I know this is going to be a bad like two or three days. But then on top of that, add like the physical exertion of waking up early and jogging. (laughs) <laughs> and and to showcase how bad a hurricane it was for us, we literally had mutual friends who were at Universal Studios during the downpour. So super dangerous oh, yeah. oh, event. Was, was that Nathan and Anna? And another one too. Okay, <laughs> yeah. we have away. we had multiple mutuals who were there. Yeah, yeah, it was funny. It, it was spotty. I think this, like more south than LA and SoCal got some like worse stuff hitting. Dodger Stadium got flooded. I don't know if there's any like major damage from that and stuff, but as far as I know, no like injuries or anything like that. So I think Angelonians are scared enough of regular rain. So when you add like natural disaster rain, it's like, all right, take this seriously. Well, here's how you know it was LA preparing for a hurricane because when you actually went to any store to see what supplies were left, all the produce was gone, but the canned goods were still on the shelf. <laughs> yeah, I was actually going to say, even though it, some stuff was kind of like a little bit there, it wasn't like as crazy as it has been in the past. And also like just the people weren't insane. Yeah. Like I went in and it was like a little bit crowded, but it wasn't like the, I don't know, like the first lockdown or something. Where it was, like, I mean, fighting. people were literally doing hurricane parties and just like drinking until it started so yeah i mean i know that's the thing like on the east coast in florida it was a hurricane party so angel and was probably like finally it's been a century before we, we finally get our hurricane, <laughs> hurricane party. party anyway cyclops is waiting for me as our weekly podcast series where we're going back and watching every single animated x-men episode that still turned out right we can find <laughs> <laughs> along with some bonus episodes. Our first series started with the original 1992 X-Men the animated series, building up to the release of X-Men 97, which we thought was coming to Disney Plus in 2023, considering it's pretty much September now. Oh, actually, by the time you hear this, will be September, right? It will be by the time this is posted, okay. yep. Since it's September now, <laughs> not looking not looking good. Every toy is coming out. Like, to, to date the show, obviously, aside from the hurricane, they showed the next set of Lego minifigures for Marvel, and there are three X-Men 97 minifigures in that set. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. And everything else in the set has come out. I think that's a sign, usually when toys do that, that it was supposed to come out by now, right? Oh, 100%. Yeah, I mean, that's why we got so much of it at at San Diego Comic-Con this year. So there's a big boost there, whether it's, like, has something to do with the strikes or some, like, a, you know, kind of like a, a kink in the the works of the well i don't i don't think it's the strike because the it's you know like we've talked about the guilds is a separate one for animation so yeah well i just mean like as far as like a domino effect of just the city in general you know like because it all ends up feeding into like a entertainment pipeline for whoever the studios and stuff so you never know like you know how it messes up the programming and stuff like Fair. well we better save this till we run out of stuff or, or something i mean if they didn't worry about how secret invasion messed up their programming i don't think they would worry about this but you know that's still so disappointing <laughs> like i said i always go into 
especially these Marvel shows, I liked all of them except for Iron Fist. And then this one, it was like, I can't even defend this ending. There's even parts of the actual Secret Invasion series that I could have like been fine with, but I don't know. Some quick reminders. We're a recap show about a series that started over 20 years ago. There will be spoilers. If you don't want to spoil it for you, pause the podcast, watch the episode on wherever you want, and then come back. We are currently not sponsored or affiliated with Marvel, Marvel Animation, Disney, or Disney Plus in any way. Speaking of spoilers, if you haven't, looked at the TikTok comments in a while, don't. I glanced at them today on our latest post and there's a bunch of spoilers. <laughs> what is the what is the post that went live? It's the powers one? Yeah, so some people in there, I, I, I'm, I'm gonna assume, I'm gonna assume the best out of people and that they didn't, nest, the, the first comments didn't know that we haven't like already watched the show. So like, oh, you should know this because of, and then they spilled a bunch of beans of the finale of the season. And oh, then, good. And someone else who, I'm sorry, I forgot your username, but I, I'm assuming that you listen to the show, so thank you. Because you had pointed out to them, like, well, they're watching it weekly, so they haven't gotten to that yet. <laughs> oh. So I well, now out. I'm scared to go in and check the comments to defend ourselves, but thankfully we have a, a viewer who hopefully is. So Yeah, yeah. And and I'm probably not going to look for a little while post, but I won't look at the comments for a little bit because we're so close. We're like a couple of, like the next recording session will probably be the finale. Right. And so I, and I'll probably have forgotten by then. So hopefully I'm just going <laughs> to... Perfect. <laughs> anyway, don't forget to follow us. Speaking of, don't forget to follow us on social media. It's Cyclops IWFM Pod on Instagram, TikTok, Threads, X, and Facebook. And of course, make sure to follow us on all your favorite podcast services. Now, on to the show. Today, we're going to be talking about Season 1, Episode 9, titled Survival of the Fittest. It aired on March 3rd of 2001, currently sits at a 7.4 star rating on IMDb. Before we even get into the episode, Rod, were you just completely misled by the title the same way I was? Instantly, I went to Apocalypse. Oh, yeah. Yeah, maybe either that or like Sinister or something. Something have to do with like evolution. Right. I was 100% not expecting what we got in this episode. I mean, yeah, there's a couple things. I'll get into when we get to those parts. But there's a couple things that I was like, maybe it's my preconceived notions from the 92 series. I was like, oh, this is going to be. Then it wasn't. (laughs) Right. So cold open starts off with Stokes County maximum security facility. That didn't seem like a county jail to me. Right. Yeah. And also, is Stokes a reference to something? It seemed like really specific or they just pick it. They just picked it. I, you know, there were things that I did look up and there was not a lot of information about the episode in general. Stokes was not one of the things I looked up, unfortunately. They they didn't have a Larry Houston on the show to throw in random Easter eggs. (laughs) No, I I don't think so. Starts off with an officer arriving, going through like a bunch of different sealed doors and security things. And honestly, it gave me a little bit of a vibe of the first X-Men movie with like that weird obviously it was the cerebro door in that movie but it was like it it felt like a little bit of a nod to that at least to me it's funny you say that because it was two things to me like at the beginning or a couple things at the beginning when he put the one key in i was like that's not very maximum security but then it kept happening and so what it actually reminded me of the beginning was get smart you know when they okay the yep. corner, i don't i i'm assuming the audience that listens to this podcast is old enough to know that show i'm not so sure about it actually when we were doing x-men 92 it was that 35 plus age range and then as soon as we started doing evolution analytics started showing we started getting younger listeners to oh, it nice. so they okay. might not actually know what get smart is there's a remake with steve carell that's kind of funny i guess if you was that the one that the rock was in i for maybe i've forgotten who was in that movie maybe yeah that might have been. I feel like The Rock was. And then there was a spinoff with like two of the side characters. Anyway, the original, the not the original, the uh, remake in the 2000s, Get Smart, 
you know, it might sit better with you. But then the, the guard got into the main section. It reminded me of the X-Men movies, like you mentioned. And I, and so my note was like, oh, this must be Magneto. Yeah, I, I didn't think it was Magneto because obviously we've seen him. But it gave me all the vibes of Magneto in the maximum security room where it was like, literally, there's a bridge that you have to cross to get to him and everything yeah. like that. The, the bridge especially was the thing. I was like, well, there's a lot of metal here, but also we don't know what's inside this thing that they have in the middle. Yeah, and the the it was kind of like a, a rotating restaurant style right. room that like you had to like walk into the door at the right time and stuff like that. It was it was like okay, that's pretty secure. And then of course the cop reveals that it was Kane Marco in the holding facility, which again just from the name alone, I was predisposed to it being Apocalypse. And all of a sudden, when it was the Juggernaut, I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> Yeah, it didn't have anything to do with like what we know of X-Men before. It was just like, oh, strong dude, survival of the fittest. Right, but that's when we actually get the Mystique reveal as the cop, and it was basically like, oh yeah, you're long overdue for a family reunion, and we cut to the, the intro credits. So I guess that clarifies a little bit for us with Mystique is that she's able to get down to like fingerprints and stuff because she right. did all those biometric scans and things. Yeah, it was, it was able to get fingerprint and the iris of the eye because like that's... Yeah. Like, that's that. an absurd level of detail comes back and we see that all the ex kids and the brotherhood are camping in the mountains it looks like and there's just like you know an arbitrary group of other students that are there with them of course and i thought this was like summer camp vibes and then they just kind of like start going through all these camping stereotypes you're not gonna you know paddle canoes you're not gonna do this you're not gonna do that and it had the kid version of full metal jacket to me yeah, my note here is like the kids are on the most dangerous field trip or camp trip ever. Right. <laughs> the things he was describing, they were, they, they were going to do. Yeah, we get the character introduced whose name is Sergeant Hawk. And I couldn't find anything about a Sergeant Hawk online when I was searching for it. He, I mean, I guess it's, it can't even be a G.I. Joe reference because Hawk and G.I. Joe was a general, so... Yeah, I guess it was just like a 90s. Like, that sounds like a drill sergeant name. Yeah, and you find out they're at a spot called Ironback Survival Camp. Everything just real on the nose. It just sounds like pure hell. Right, but also there's there's literal children there. I don't think it's more clear throughout the episode, but I think I was just, like, in my head trying to rationalize, like, they were sent on this trip specifically because they're X-Men, right, and not kids at the school i see i didn't get that i think it was like it was a school trip because there was a group of kids that were there with them and you also had the brotherhood kids who were all there so it's like i I guess it's just like every aggressive team building thing that you could do at this high school they're automatically enrolled for and yeah and there was a mention that was like you know they could have done survival training back at the institute but it would have been Wolverine taking it and everybody opted to come to the survival camp instead. So I get that. If you have if you're going to a normal high school and you have like a man who's basically immortal with like metal claws and a skeleton and stuff who's also kind of like a hard ass. Yeah. So I'm like, I'll take my chances with the human. <laughs> right. Yeah. The 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 baseline human. Yeah. <laughs> so Hawk keeps going and he purposely says scott's name wrong he calls him sumners instead of summers and then points out that scott is going to be in charge of like the whole group which also i guess includes the brotherhood and the baseline humans that are there with them because of academic achievement and obviously you know the brotherhood kids are are not a fan of that and then we get where i would be which is kurt kitty and spike all complaining about being on the strip 
Yeah, Spike was basically like, I'm a city kid. What am I doing here? And Rogue is literally like, okay, cool. I want to just hotwire a bus and get out of here. <laughs> that is where Cyclops interjects and lets them know that it was either this or the other option was Wolverine. And it actually reminded me of the Spike introduction episode where they're like, there's always a choice. And I'm like, that's not a great choice. Okay. This group does not give great choices. They give things that are like illusions of choice. I also wonder what the options for the other kids were like the random group and the brotherhood or if they were just going to go on this trip i think they were going to go on the trip okay well my favorite part though is like after the like the first initial scene we never see any of those other fucking kids again either i was gonna make a note yeah no yeah. there's like one more time i think we kind of maybe see them or like yes. allusion to them and then i'm yeah. like what's going on here there's only two teams in the trip now the next note i have is blob wants to murder because yeah. blob is jealous that cyclops gets to be the leader because of academic achievement and i'm pretty sure somebody is like you can't even spell that i think it was avalanche yeah or no it was quick was it is it quicksilver or avalanche it was like you can't even it was spell. it was quicksilver okay. because avalanche actually is like oh no we don't have to like murder them we just want to embarrass them and i'm like hmm i feel like mystique would not be okay with that method right pops back over and mystique says that it is cellular paralysis biofluid which is just a great macguffin for why the juggernaut can't move mm -hmm. also seems i mean i know it's like you know super villains all stuff it also seems very inhumane oh it's horribly inhumane because it implies that he's conscious right yeah move yeah it yeah. doesn't feel like it knocked him out it's just like cool you just you're in a constant state of not being able to move and even if you are knocked out if you're it doesn't seem like there'd be any plan to get him out or do something to like like neutralize him and stuff and not that i'm for like capital punishment but like at that point why not just <laughs> right like him? this feels like it goes against the geneva conventions <laughs> right and also at a great cost to whatever that maximum security prison area is you know what man <laughs> to go super dark maybe they just can't figure out a way to kill him oh you know good point good point yeah because mystique makes the point of saying well they stopped the unstoppable he starts to like regain his consciousness and reveals that he doesn't even know who she is and she refers to herself as a deal maker and then they did the thing that is every bad like you know setup from escape films and and stuff like that all the way to like dungeons and dragons campaigns where his helmet is there like in the cell with him yeah it's, it's like drawer. wouldn't you want to put that literally as far away from him as possible or that would be something you could destroy right and this is mystical i don't think it's ever mystical in his stories no it is i, it I so is? i could tell oh, because okay. when colossus got the juggernaut abilities in in the comics he also got the helmet with him mm, gotcha okay yep so i think that's associated to the sidorak stuff gotcha. and because of x-men 92 i know how to actually say that that character <laughs> name and then she basically is saying oh yeah well you know we're i'm gonna release you in exchange for just giving one item of professor x's and he just like pushes past her and she's like well we was gonna or i was gonna put you on the jet and he's like no nah, i don't need a jet no, nobody yeah. takes the juggernaut anywhere to me that sounded like he rejected the deal it did <laughs> until later when they were together again yeah, i was like oh, okay yeah it was weird it was just kind of like i guess it was i don't need you to get where i'm going and then he just proceeds to just go through the wall <laughs> right 
and no other security or alarms or anything like <laughs> I think this is where we have to imagine it was like the standards and practices. Oh, you can't have this guy just murdering cops on yeah. the way out of this jail. Pop back over to survival camp. We see them on the ropes course, which is the last time we see any of these other students. And, you know, Scott and one of the others are, are climbing up. Blob tries to climb up and just literally pulls all the rope down and everything like that. It looks like it would have broken that. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. Blob, even if he didn't have his mutant powers of being as dense as he is, I don't think he's climbing that regardless. Right. Like the structure itself is not going to be able to support him. Yeah, I think it was Avalanche Elves with Cyclops because the two of them were kind of accelerating at everything. Yeah, they keep going back and forth. And then they they get to the the bottom and they basically did the rope, whatever. The zipline. Oh, the zipline. Yeah, yeah. They get to the bottom and they start, you know, untying their boats and Lance just kicks him into the water. Spike wants to respond by shanking Lance effectively. And Gene is like, no, no, we agreed. This is a no powers trip. And then immediately Cyclops shoots Lance's boat. That was pretty comedic, but also Spike wanted to unalive someone at that moment. Dude, a lot of people want to kill him on this show. Let's be real. He wouldn't have been successful, as we learned from last episode. He's not as hard as he think he is. Yeah. Possibly more ways than we think. A lot of double entendres last episode. So, Cyclops gets over and crosses a finish line first. They basically start, like, pairing off a little bit. It's like a little bit of that, like, gang fight setup. Rogue again throws out the word freak. And then we cut to them doing push-ups. And oh, punishment, yeah. And Blob, to his credit, does 60 push-ups. I can't do 60 push-ups right now, I'm pretty sure. To me, not just that scene, but just this whole episode was kind of reinforcing, like, he does have some, like, mutant strength or something. Yeah, but also I think the unbelievable part for me was that Kitty or Spike, if they were like playing by big city kids, they, they were just doing push-ups like that. And I think this is where the kids disappear, the other ones. Yeah, we just stopped seeing the other kids. Because my note before that was Gene says for no one to use their powers, Cyclops immediately uses powers and none of the normies notice. But then it didn't matter. Yep, <laughs> it didn't matter one way. day. They, killed, they all got killed by the blast. Yeah, so... You know, you get more tension between the teams. Hawk is basically over and he's like, all right, you're going to go up and whichever team gets to the flag first. And Quicksilver and Nightcrawler just start arguing with each other about who's going to get there first. And I'm like, are they just going to like reveal their powers in front of this guy right now? And then he's like, no, no, it has to be the whole team. Yeah. And also it was called Mount Humiliation. (laughs) Yes, I really love that part. Mount Humiliation. Yeah, this is like, it's not scared straight, but it's like, we're going to break all of you. Like, it was definitely a fucking boot camp. I kind of wonder, too, if if when they wrote it, they meant like the drill sergeant to say Mount Humiliation in like a sarcastic kind of way, you know? But then the actor that read it was like, just read it straight because it was definitely delivered straight. Like, that was the actual name of the mountain. From seeing like boot camp places on like reality TV and stuff like that, Mm -hmm. I could actually see them (laughs) unironically calling it that. That's funny. So Scott and Lance just kind of like get in each other's faces. Scott like goes to grab his glasses like he's going to shoot Lance at like point blank. And Gene steps in. Scott is, you know, frustrated. He's like, why are we the ones who always have to play by the rules? This is bullshit. And Lance is like, fine, we'll we'll do it straight. No powers for anybody. Gene is just like really annoyed. Like there's no other way to say it. She's just like, she wants everybody to just get through this and be cool and is so happy that everybody agreed to use no powers. And she's like proud of herself and then immediately just no. Yeah. 
This is not gonna happen. None of these people are gonna follow these rules. Jumps back to the mansion. You got Wolverine and Professor X there. Wolverine is disappointed that he couldn't be the one training the kids. And Xavier just point blank says, no, no, they, they chose. They did not want you to be the one to do this. He's trying to make it very clear there's rep salt in the wound. And at that point, Cerebro detects a mutant. We get the mention that it is Xavier's half-brother. So that is actually one of the only bits of trivia there. One, in the comics, he is a stepbrother and not a mutant. Oh, yeah, because they, they said it was like an enhanced mutation or something. Yeah, it, it, it was like, well, what does enhanced mutant mean? Because that's what Cerebro says. Xavier explains it was an X-gene at birth but he enhanced it via mysticism. It's so scary. I mean, dude, the, the stuff that happened from the 90s to now with the X-Men of inflation of their powers via like technology or magic and stuff like that, they're all walking atomic bombs at this point. It's kind of like if Doctor Strange was a mutant to begin with and then went to Comertage. That'd be wild. That'd be great. They see Juggernaut is approaching and there's like cop cars that are in the way and he just walks through nonchalantly and just flips them. This whole montage of him making his way to the mansion is that's all the murders that we were talking about. They left out of the, the prison scene. <laughs> and also one of them is he just walks through a train. And, and like it's like, derails and everything. Yeah, just derails, kills all the vagrants who are on it and everything, you know? So hops back over scott is leading the x team through the forest spike reminds us again that he is a city guy and is really bothered by mosquitoes which i think of anybody he actually has the natural defense for this use your powers to stop the mosquitoes you don't have to use your powers to get an advantage but i don't think gene would have been pissed at that also like i guess maybe this is me assuming a lot but i guess i had assumed since spike had all like all his bony spikes and stuff that maybe the skin was harder i don't know that was just like a dumb like it, i was like oh he's getting mosquito bites it's interesting you know mosquitoes be scared of like that everything that was going on with him i mean i i guess it's only it's it's under his skin until it pops out, which makes it Wolverine levels of like gross. And also he must have no pain receptors. Right? Yeah. Cause, cause otherwise that means his skin is literally being ripped apart constantly. <laughs> Yeah, between that and his clothes, like, that sounds like an awful life. We see that the Brotherhood has decided in a more direct route where Toad is like hopping up like kind of like a mountain goat and Blob is just pulling up Quicksilver and Lance. And th those two are not being nice to him about it. Like if he slips, we're screwed. Like, dude, I know he's a big guy, but you don't have to keep pointing it out. <laughs> but also they're not wrong you definitely right. will die if that's the case and then that was another piece of evidence that he was like kind of mutant strong whatever. right well i mean aside from what he did to the trucks in in his debut episode too yeah yeah, you know? yeah. yeah. he's able to like just like he scaled that mountain he didn't look like he was straining and he was carrying two people around his waist or yeah. rope on around his waist yeah so he's 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 carrying his own weight which we know is a ton mm -hmm. maybe literally and <laughs> carrying Lance and Quicksilver. I mean, I guess carrying Quicksilver probably isn't that hard, but Lance is a full-grown, like, you know, jock kid, so. Yeah. Jumping back over to Westchester, Storm is in the jet, and I was like, wait, what is she doing where she hops into this little stand after she puts the jet on autopilot and then is flying around Westchester and just encompasses the jet in fog as well as the entire area. And then the news is like, yeah, they're they're searching for the escaped convict. We can't find them because of this fog. So it's like, I guess it's still mutants are just not as regularly talked about at this point. Like, oh, that's true. Yeah. Like, because wouldn't you assume if there was like, you know, 
the super-powered criminal making his way to the city, and then there's, like, a weird fog. Like, none of that is ever, like, discussed. Especially because there are people right now in our actual real world that believe in that stuff over science. <laughs> oh, it must be mutants and flatter. <laughs> I love how you said it, saying it like an old man. I just want to point right. that out. Yeah, this, the stand was, it was, it was kind of cool because it was, like, they, you know, it's one of those customizations for the X-Men. I'm sure there's other, like, customizations of the Blackbird. And also, it was another one of those, the autopilot stuff. It just keeps reminding me whenever this autopilot stuff happens in these cartoon shows of how much that ruined my conception of autopilot when I was a kid. Because <laughs> later on in life, I ended up taking some, a few piloting lessons. And I didn't, I didn't like make myself sound dumb by saying it out loud. But as they were explaining autopilot to me, I was like in my head, like, don't say anything because it's probably wrong. And like, autopilot is not what you think it is in the real place. <laughs> it fly like a multi-million dollar blackbird jet alone. <laughs> yeah, the the conception you have as a kid of what autopilot actually does versus, you know, what it does in shows is just so different. Yeah, and in some shows, it full-on, like, battles yeah. on autopilot, you know? <laughs> I mean, they have the advanced AI autopilot, let's be real. That's true, yeah. yeah. And then they you get the news report. They mention Hillary Taylor. That's not a reference I could find to anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I stopped writing down random names because I'm so wrong about them. <laughs> I mean, at this point, I'll just handle the random yeah. name references, Rod, because I'll at least have like a, oh, that sounds kind of familiar, mm-hmm. it, you know, but no, they're Hillary Taylor. I guarantee this writing team just had fun putting in like family members or like people they went to like writing school with or something like that. Yeah. And this this whole situation was probably one of the few times we saw Xavier be a little like empathetic or compassionate to the general public. Yeah. And like he was like, oh, if they won't try to capture him, if they can't find him, like, oh, this is for everyone else's protection. Not yeah. to distract Juggernaut. Do not go into the giant cone of fog because the thing in there will kill you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We've had a movie about that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. So their plan is essentially that Wolverine is going to intercept. And if he is not successful, then Xavier is going to go into the danger room and have the defenses of the danger room take him down. That's where we get the exposition dump that, you know, the only thing that Xavier can do is hit him with psychic blasts, but the helmet needs to come off. I love it. He's like, as long as he doesn't have his helmet, you're like, well... Well, maybe you shouldn't have fucking stored him with it in the jail. Right. But also, Xavier's got plenty of practice with the psychic blasts, because he's been doing it all season. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yep. Back over to the mountain, the Brotherhood kids find the abandoned mine and they're like oh cool shortcut and it has all the very stereotypical like danger keep out signs and the bad kids aren't going to listen to that they're going to go right in there i love the toads like oh yeah there's inside there's like a staircase that goes straight up to the top and no one questioned it like yep that sounds right (laughs) this dangerous mine entrance (laughs) i get it though yeah like you said it's the bad kids who are like we don't follow the rules. Also, they're not the smartest. Yeah. Like, I, I think I genuinely think if you had to, like, rank them, Quicksilver's probably the only one who's actually smart. I can kind of see that. Like, he's a cocky asshole, but he's probably the smartest of the group. Also, you know, paralleling the real world and, you know, not to reference events of the last few years, typically the people who don't understand, like, you know, you can't tell me what to do versus, like, things that are meant to protect you. <laughs> Aren't the greatest people, upstanding keep, people. Keep out is a suggestion. It is not a rule. <laughs> right. No. It's like, that's for you. 
yep. but for the tunnel. So as the bad kids are cheating, Cyclops decides he wants to cheat. So he says to Kurt that he wants him to just, you know, jump up there and check the flag. Kurt is like, yeah, Gene's going to be pretty pissed if we do that. And Cyclops kind of like relents a little bit. He's like, all right, fine. We'll just skip the pylons and I'm going to have Spike just like hook a rope up higher. And Spike's like, yeah, sure. Fuck it. Let's go. And then as soon as he does it, Gene is there watching and like everybody has that like wah wah look yeah. of disappointment. What what Nightcrawler did do though is he did go out and scout to make sure it was there they were in the right direction. Yeah. But even that was like a little bit of I guess I was I don't understand what that little bit of detail was for yeah. because it didn't do anything different. Like they were heading the right direction. There's only one point of the mountain. They didn't show like a multi peak, like, you know, like hill or something. I mean, I guess it was make sure it's still there so we don't go all the way up to the top and we've already lost. I guess, yeah. But it was also just like get a picture with the flag, not bring the flag down. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. yeah the, the whole group afterwards is like staring at them like, yeah, it, it was maybe an hour ago that we said no power. Yeah, it, it hasn't gotten even like that late in the day still at this point. Hopping back into the cave, Lance is pissed at Toad because he's like, yeah, none of us are going to be able to fit up that. Wasn't it kind of clogged or something? <laughs> yeah, it was a little bit clogged and like, I think it was also like Blob couldn't fit up that being the major yeah. issue. And then I kind of regret saying that Quicksilver is probably the smartest of the bunch because he says, oh, well, Avalanche can use his powers to unclog the hole, which then, of course, leads to a cave-in. They have gaps in their common sense. (laughs) At that point, on the outside of the mountain, the X-Kids are getting pretty close, and then Spike, like, falls off the side of the mountain, Mm -hmm. and just, like, we get the the classic cut-to-commercial break. Like, is he gonna die? No, he's not gonna die. He's He's in the intro. For the... (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we're not killing him in the first season if he's in the intro. And, you know, you're supposed to assume that that's the avalanche out created or whatever. Right. Yeah, they kind of did the whole, like, it doesn't happen concurrently, but you, you make the assumption that it is the same thing. Cut back from commercial, Gene gives a psychic catch, and Cyclops says, well, what's the difference between doing that versus us using our powers to get to the top? And this is the most our Cyclops ever. Yeah, and also clear sign. Like, you, you know, you said in X-Men 92, like, they, those two were there, like, Gene and Scott were, like, first relationships for each other. Yeah. This is very clear with Scott that he has never been in a relationship before. Yeah. <laughs> with anyone. He's like, he's like, come on, man, what's the difference? And she just gives that, like, dagger stare. At that point, Rogue spots the hole, and you hear Toad begging, and he's like, you're not gonna like leave us down here, are you? And Cyclops is like, fuck, I guess I'm not. <laughs> Back over at the Institute, we get more of the backstory for Xavier and Kane, basically saying, you know, his father had a problem with him that carried over to Kane and that made him dangerous. And he basically gives the I had no choice, which again, there's lots of conversations in this show about choice and then he because he, he taught scott there's always a choice and he's like i had no choice i had to put him into basically into a coma you know a medical induced coma essentially yeah actually you you bring up a good point that you makes you wonder if it's priming us for like an overarching like theme for the whole series it's going to come down to like really big climaxes of choices i mean, I f- that's shows in general but specifically this one yeah i feel like they're in a, in a good way they're hammering it in there of like there's the younger optimistic generation who's like there's always a choice and it's like xavier doesn't really give them a lot of choices even in episode seven 
where, you know, he's literally making decisions for them. He chose not to tell them about Mystique and then they're they're questioning it and he's like, oh, well, I'll just do better next time. Ah, it's like, <laughs> the fuck? I think it's next episode. We're going to see that theme come back around, so stay yeah. tuned for that. <laughs> yep. So Juggernaut arrives at the Institute, Wolverine attacks and, you know, he just gets slammed through the entire institute. I, I guess in this this iteration, Wolverine has never faced Juggernaut before because he just gets thrashed. Yeah, I was gonna say Wolverine has like a lot of confidence in himself to like take that because we know Juggernaut, and like you said, apparently he doesn't. So yeah, we're like why would you take him on alone? <laughs> but Wolf, but Wolverine as a character, I think in basically every version of him would still do that. I mean, obviously, because it's the cartoon version for Saturday mornings, you know, we weren't seeing a violent, brutalized, bloodied Wolverine. But like, yeah, Wolverine and the Juggernaut has happened and he gets he gets fucked up a lot. <laughs> and also he can stab him in the comics. Yeah. So I, so I was actually I was going to say, you know, that series, how it should have ended on yeah, YouTube. I'm of course. picturing one of the, if, if this they end up appearing in any of the movies i'm just waiting for one of them to be like wolverine does like the split claws where there's only two of them and just gets juggernaut through the eye holes he's like done end of movie i wonder if they've done that in the comics oh yeah john when you're listening to this episode yeah. when it airs you know what to look for on instagram for this week but as they're going through stuff he goes through and he breaks cerebro by accident i mean i know the art style changes depending on the teams and stuff this version of cerebro looks cheap to me it was like a single, like, not one computer, but, like, it was, like, a portion of a small wall instead of, like, the room that we usually know it is. But even even just the helmet, the helmet oh, yeah. felt cheap. This was, what, 1.0? Apparently. <laughs> oh, you know, that's a good point, because when they, you know, they end up rebuilding it, maybe that's the Cerebro that becomes, like, the big, you know, powerful one. Because he, Professor Xavier earlier in the episode did say, like, oh, it's not scouting for you, it's just going on the kids. So I wonder if that was supposed to be, like, a like a limitation. Like, it doesn't have the bandwidth to do normal surveillance and Maybe. focus or something. Or, I don't know. So the fight ends up leading into the danger room and just, you know, just decimates the door. Mystique arrives and she just starts berating him. <laughs> and Juggernaut just tosses her aside. Mystique has just gotten so much disrespect in this episode from the Juggernaut. Yeah, that, that's where I was like, oh, wait, they still had a deal going on? I thought he just, like, threw that away when he, like, walked out of the prison. I mean, I think he did, and he was going just because he wants to kill Charles has nothing to do with Mystique. So she probably just didn't. She's the only one that didn't know. <laughs> she was. The it was the one-sided deal, and she was completely yeah. unaware that it was one side. And then there's a reference to it being, like, a welcome home for him, which... You know, going back to the fact that it's his half-brother as opposed to the stepbrother and stuff like that. It's like, oh yeah, this actually would be his home if it was the family home. Oh, that's true. He probably grew up there. Yeah. Yeah. Again, if it's half-brother versus stepbrother, because in the stepbrother scenario, it was like, you know, the doctor who was not taking proper care of her, getting the fall in love, and then his kid was kind of like along for the ride. Mm -hmm. If it's like your half-brother, it's like, oh no, there's actually a level of ownership that person feels to this location. Yeah, and it pretty heavily implies that they probably spent like their latter years, like teen years or something together, right? I mean, until whenever he went and started getting into mysticism, sure. Right. <laughs> Hopping back to the mountain, Cyclops is rappelling down with the rope, helps up Lance. Scott's like, oh yeah, grab onto my back. I will pull you up. How strong is Scott? Because right. there were two ropes. 
Well, aside from that, yeah. yeah. As- aside from the logistics of he could do it himself, but it's like, dude, that's super heavy. That's like a you tie the rope and have them pull you up scenario, right? Yeah, that was the cockiness. So they get up to the top. Blob spots the flag. Quicksilver runs over there. Nightcrawler teleports, and they end up getting there at the same time. And at that point, the Blackbird shows up, and Storm lets them know that both Xavier and Mystique are in trouble. I really like this moment. It was really cool. Was it Nightcrawler was like, you in? And Blob was like, yeah. Was it was it Nightcrawler and Blob or was oh, it? No, no, sorry, not Blob. It was Quicksilver. It was the two that were on the flag. I was going to say, I didn't think it was Blob. And then we get like, though this is the only, the only way this works is it's because it's fucking teenagers. Is they do a flyby in the jet and they drop the flag with a Polaroid of them all by the flag together to our points though these kids go from wanting to kill each other a few hours ago to being like no we're cool now it's like the mood swing of teenagers is the only way that this works out yeah and they have two common enemies now right whatever the threat to mystique and xavier are and this drill sergeant because that was a big like fuck you to the drill sergeant right oh it was 100 percent a fuck you to the drill sergeant because they like javelin that flag down like it could have impaled him on the way down, the way it came down. Yeah, and then the picture, it was like, oh, that's hilarious. This poor guy, like, I don't have a good grip on if he has an idea that these are superpowered kids or not. What would your reaction be if you thought they were normal teenagers and then they did make it up to a mountain in, like, record time because it was still daylight out and everything and then, like, a blackbird jet flies by. And, and they, <laughs> they disappeared because he never yeah. sees them again. Yeah. Now, yeah, not to mention the normal kids that we just never saw again. Oh, they're dead. Yeah. They drowned. They, they died on the ropes course. Yeah. <laughs> It's literally survival camp, and they failed. Yeah. <laughs> you did not survive. Back to the danger room. Professor X is saying, you know, this house is about new beginnings. Juggernaut's not having it. And then the most, like, defeated Xavier is like, you've learned nothing, and you never will. It's like, is he trying to talk him down? Like, no. That wasn't going to work. At that point, he calls and activates Logan's Run X-13, which... I that reference. Yes. <laughs> and it was like... X-13, I was like, oh no, X-23 is Laura, and Laura hasn't been invented yet, so it's not Laura. But yeah, the Logan's run was like, okay. like, And now I'm like, oh, I haven't watched that in so long. Is X-13 some sort of reference to that? But dude, no lie, all the wikis on these two episodes that we're recording tonight, basically empty. Literally the only thing that was consistent across all of them was in the comics, the Juggernaut is not a mutant at all. That is the mm-hmm. only thing across all four of the different sites that I use for reference on this. So this is the first time that we've heard that he's been partially mutant or whatever. Right. Buzz saws pop out and he literally, they just can't do anything to him. There's like a big swinging thing with maces on the side and he just walks through all of them and makes sure to break every mace along the way. The danger of not calibrated for the juggernaut <laughs> no whatever that like deadly mode that gambit used in x-men 92 doesn't exist in this danger room apparently because oh, yeah. <laughs> he, he's if they're if they're supposed to be using lethal force there it ain't doing shit mm-hmm. at that point the kids arrive and we have like kind of like combinations of people who are working together to you know to take down the juggernaut gene starts to pick him up but there's a lot of strain on it. Blob just kind of straight up like bounces into him. And then he says, this is what happens when unstoppable meets unmovable. And then he immediately gets knocked on his ass. (laughs) But Nightcrawler is able to teleport in there and get rid of one latch. Cyclops starts shooting him. It has no effect. 
Lance starts shaking the ground. Quicksilver is able to get in there, get one latch as well. So this tells me that this Quicksilver is nowhere near as fast as, you know, the okay. Days of Future Past Quicksilver. Stopping time and listening to Eurythmics. Exactly. Storm makes a mini tornado, which I don't know what Storm thought was going to happen, but that did nothing at all. She's still learning, too. (laughs) And then Rogue must have taken part of Kitty's powers because they simultaneously pop through a wall together and each take care of a latch. That was a pretty badass team-up move. It's kind of showing us that the writers are paying attention to, like, the kids' power sets and stuff. Yeah, and, and coming up with dynamics of how they work together. I think that's one of the things I had mentioned in X-Men 92, where they were, in the modern Krakoan era, the new mutants literally would talk about power synergies, meaning you'd have two people using their power at the same time, and the, the effects would be different based on the combination of it, and they would have, like, code names for whatever the you know, the combo move they were doing and stuff was. Ooh, they're, they're stealing that idea for the Mortal Kombat 1 game coming out with the cameo system. Yes. To date the podcast, the previous Friday was at a shoot where they were going through all the different combo cameos and stuff like that. So, Oh, did you get have some of your creators go to the one of the things to test out the beta or whatever? No, I was at a creator's location as they were playing in a sponsored stream. So. Oh, very cool. Yeah. yeah it, I, I was watching their the Nether Realms live stream today, where they were showing like how you can use them to fill in gaps of other players and stuff. I was like, "Ooh, right, interesting." So then, what I was not expecting is Toad used his tongue to take off the helmet. That was the only time I rewound this episode. That was so gross because I I just saw like. I don't know if I was watching the screen, but I guess I just didn't register what it was. It was just this green tether. And then nope, I that's rewound. his tongue. Yeah, I rewound it. I was like, oh, yeah. that was the worst part of this whole thing. <laughs> and I don't know. It's 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 weird for me because the the classic version of Toad, which was the Toad that I you know knew, was like the one who's like in a jester style outfit and stuff like that. And he was just like weird and gross. But this version of Toad, which is very reminiscent of what we would see in the X-Men movies. And then they started adjusting the comic book version to be more like this, this toad. I was like, that is just fucking gross. Right. I kind of would have liked to see a cutaway of him getting like hitting himself in the head with the helmet when it came. Oh yeah. It's, it's kind of like the elastic effect. Like you just pull it and when it releases, it just, yeah. (laughs) So he, he being the juggernaut continues to make his move towards Xavier and he starts to slow down and effectively gets stopped right as he's at Xavier's knees. Xavier's like, I'm sorry. He's like, are you though? Yeah. They basically put down the juggernaut. Then there's a great mystique line, which was subtle, but obviously not too subtle, where it's like, well, there's something you won't see every day. And I, I was like, yep, that's good. It's like, she realized like she couldn't keep going. Also, this is the first time they've seen Mystique since the big reveal, right? Yeah, we from this episode on, we start getting like Xavier and Mystique being a lot more friendly is not the completely right word, but they're more comfortable in each other's space than, you know, I would have imagined from the beginning of this show. Right. More like how Magneto and Xavier were in the 92 series, like, oh, there's a level, there's like a respect dynamic or something, but Early on in evolution, I just thought they were, you know, they would be like polarized opposites where they would always be on separate sides of, you know, physical spaces unless they had to fight. And they're they're just like kind of semi-comfortable in this. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's weird. 
Yeah. Especially after she literally unleashed your half-brother to... Even if it's like she didn't say, oh, I want you to kill him. It's like, well, she knew that's what he was going to do. Let's be well, real. Yeah, she, she specifically told him at the beginning of the episode, she's like, his... Because Kane was like, what about Charles? And she's like, well, I'll leave his fate up to you. Like, yeah, you can do whatever you want. I don't really care. So you're going to kill him. <laughs> and then you get a moment of, like, respect between Lance and Scott. And... It was like, ah, oh, you weren't half bad as a leader kind of okay. scenario. And I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. that's. I was not expecting that. Because that also gives a little bit of an implication that Lance is, is the leader of this group. At least from, you know, outside of Magneto and Mystique. Like, he's the field leader, essentially. Yeah, yeah. No, that's another thing they kind of established in this. Especially with that, the boot camp. How the two of them were accelerating. Back at the jail, they put Kane into his immovability biotech or whatever the hell it's called again with no guards just yeah. Xavier and the kids yeah they, they let <laughs> civilians do this again it's it's got to be him manipulating it like I know it's like the easy answer but mm. he's definitely psychically manipulating everybody to let shit go and then it's kind of like a pretty somber moment it's like well you got to do what you got to do like that was kind of like the resolution of like why they just keep him imprisoned in this way it kind of goes back to your point of like maybe they do this to him because they can't kill him Mm -hmm. this is probably like their equivalent of a funeral for his brother yeah except he's now had to do it again yeah and they might have to keep doing it so it's almost worse right yeah because he was able to psychically we don't know for what the time frame is of course but was able to do like a little bit of a mind wipe on saber tooth and then because he's he didn't know how he got dropped in you know the arctic and stuff like that it's like okay i guess maybe from the mysticism or something like that or he's not able to do it to his brother either and then of course this is the appropriate time for scott and gene to flirt (laughs) yeah where you know he basically says you know working with with the other kids kind of felt right and he points out that they're the ones who keep making lines in the sand i don't know if that's a hundred percent true though either you know they've been pushing themselves yeah and then gene of course makes the comment around like you know you can't control the will of others (laughs) meanwhile charles is probably laughing in the background yeah she even said that with charles present when they were putting kane down yeah And, and i was like isn't that literally what he just did? Okay, sure. Nobody nope. bringing it up. Don't argue with a man that can wipe your mind. Yeah, exactly. They, they already did, and he made them forget about it. Right. <laughs> yeah, and it was just kind of like you know, hopefully they'll they'll come around. It was okay. I yeah. I don't I don't know. There was something about it that I didn't love. The moment where it was like, oh yeah, they're they're not all bad, and it's like I'm pretty sure at the beginning of the episode, Lob said he wanted to kill them. So. <laughs> I have a feeling that that was like a seed that they were planning with us where they're going to have the groups kind of merge in the later seasons or something. Entirely possible. And now that's definitely going to end up in the TikTok comments to spoil the episode. All right. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it was, I didn't love the episode. I thought it was fine. I don't know. Maybe it's just Juggernaut that doesn't do it for me. He wasn't my favorite either. I mean, he's fine. My brother really loved Juggernaut. He had the action figures and stuff. I didn't, I didn't dislike him. Whenever he appeared in anything, toys or shows or whatever, I was like, okay, it's cool. Right. But I didn't get super excited about him. I guess I just didn't ever get super excited about somebody who's just strong. It's like their only real thing. I know there's like magic and stuff around him, but like... No, but it's still like the game. strength is only is the only thing that comes from it. Like his, mm-hmm. he doesn't get other aspects of his character. He's just, you know, the unstoppable object, essentially. So. Yeah, and then when you really broke it down, like not a whole lot happened in this episode. This is probably the least amount of notes I've taken so far in Evolution. I could, I could see that. But he also, in the comics, 
was just voted into being one of the members of the X-Men for the four seconds before everybody got killed. Okay. He's like, I guess, spoiler for Quantumania, if you haven't seen it yet. Kind of like Modoc being an Avenger. <laughs> uh, I would say it is not the equivalent of Quantumania and Modoc <laughs> being an Avenger. At least no. I died an Avenger. Yeah. No, he was legitimately voted by the okay. Krakoan citizens at the Hellfire Gala to be an Avenger. And, or sorry, to, thank <laughs> you, Rod. Great. And then Nimrod fell from the sky and immediately killed a bunch of people in like rapid succession. That's kind of, just the way you described it, kind of hilarious. I'll, I'll send you screenshots. It's, okay. Dazzler got it the worst. Oh, no. Taylor Swift. They're all going to come back. We just don't know how. Right, yeah, they can't die. Well, no, they definitely can die right now. That's the thing, but... Yeah, yeah. no, multiverse. Multiverse yes. always saves them. <laughs> Not... No. Gene's been resurrecting way before multiverses were a thing. Right. Come on. Right, well, I mean, for everybody else that doesn't have, like, the other... Do you mean the, the group that's literally called The Five who could reincarnate any mutant? Oh, wow. Yeah, you're... That. Again, I love the fact that like I say stuff and you're like, is he serious? Like you're giving <laughs> you're giving me the look on screen of like, are you fucking with me right now? Right. No, that's like, actually a thing. Kind of like back in my my other fandom, Mortal Kombat. There's the whole revenants thing. So like in this universe, literally no one can die, or you can die, but it doesn't mean anything. It just means your hell spirit thing comes back. It can escape hell and just be part of the tournament. So it doesn't matter if anybody dies. <laughs> but then somebody gets to be reborn as the fire god. So. Yes. Rod, closing thoughts? No, yeah, it was pretty much just, it was all right episode. Didn't hate it. Didn't yep. love it. Probably forget about it. I, again, the title, I was just like, yeah, we're getting apocalypse. We're not getting an apocalypse. No. <laughs> Thank you guys for joining us. If you have any thoughts, be sure to drop them into the comments of either the YouTube upload or the official Instagram or the TikTok if you don't want Rod to respond to them. <laughs> not for a couple weeks. If you like what you heard, we'd appreciate a rating on the podcast app of your choosing. We're on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Spotify, Google Podcasts, CastBox. Sure. Do you want me to tell you the spoilers? No. No.